Yes, I think I'm a little bit jet lagged. And a lot of people, I think, thought we're recording this on Wednesday, that the boys' first day at school is today. So I'm getting all these messages going, where's the picture in the school uniform? How was it? How did it go? And I'm sort of bleary eyed, sort of thinking, where am I? <laughs> Who am I? What's going on? But it's not. It, it's it's tomorrow. Are you sure about that? I hope so. <laughs> Are you sure you haven't got that wrong? Because a lot of people seem to be going to school today. <laughs> Actually, no one, no one has called me to say, where are your children? So I'm, so I'm taking that as, as with, no, it's, now you've got me doubting. I still, I forgot what time they have to be there. I, this is terrible. But luckily or not, there's a, a WhatsApp group with all, someone put together with all the mothers in the boys' year. It's scary at times. I mean, it's terrifying at times. And a lot of them are currently crying a lot um, about what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but that was quite active today. So um, I, I, I'm definitely going to forget something. There is an awful lot I need to remember. I'm still not sure what time, but it is definitely tomorrow. So that's, that's the main thing. That's a good okay. thing. Exciting. Big news. I can't wait. No, I know. It's, uh, it's going to be an early start tomorrow. I think I've, I think, <laughs> I think I've got everything. And I'm, I, uh, they, I, I actually have an update on our, um, on the immigration gentleman who allowed me in. Ah. But I was, I was, I thought I was nearly stopped coming back because my suitcase was really heavy. So I put some in a rucksack to lessen the load. So I, I chucked it all in the the scanner and I thought oh they're going to pick up my podcast off you know the technical equipment the batteries the leads so I wasn't surprised when they pulled my bag over but they took all that out put it to one side and I thought what else is in there then they pulled out maybe not everyone will know this name they pulled out a bagpus nice bagpus is a what is he he's like a pink and white cat yeah and it was a kids tv show a long time ago and it's one of the boys toys and when we go away they give us a toy to take with us and you can't just pretend to take it because you've got to take a photo of it like with you saying oh look oh. so anyway and it's quite a big thing and it's one of those ones you need to stick in a microwave and you heat it up mm. and then you can have a little cuddle if you're a bit cold and it's hot anyway this woman took it out of the bag held it by its tail this kind of thing, and, and she put it through the, the scanner again really busy US customs went through five times Bagpuss went through five times five times <laughs> Seems a bit excessive. What was in there? But the funny thing was she was holding it by its tail as if it was alive. You know, like if you find a mouse or something and it's, you know, she's holding this cat by its tail, sort of swinging it around. And she, she kept saying, what is it? And I just, I was like, well, it's a cat, it's a teddy. It's got these bean things. It was absolutely, it went through five times. And then she was like, well, there's something about it, but I'm not sure. So you're fine. And I was like, okay. So Bagpuss went back in. And I was loud out and, and that was great. So that's just a word of warning to people. If you're planning on taking one of those <laughs> in your hand luggage. I love that you've had issues on the way out and the way back, <laughs> getting a proper grilling. You're lucky they let you keep it. Maybe they, I, I was thinking this story was going to head to them kind of ripping it open to find out what was inside. And then I had one last line of defence or it's a present for my children. See if that worked. And I was ready to give it the sort of... That's from my... Yeah, because they obviously thought this is ridiculous. This is not a normal situation for somebody an adult to have a stuffed <laughs> bagpus in with them as they're traveling to work in america like surely <laughs> this can't be right and can i say it's quite a big bagpus <laughs> it's, 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 it's not a small bag and it's full of these kind of bean scented things in it so anyway so bagpus came back um but amazingly after the podcast last week i was telling this story about the guy at u.s customs who allowed me in but so they could have a mention on the pod he got in touch via Instagram yay immigration man the right one one of the hundred that listen the immigration man is called Eddie 
Hi, Eddie. And Eddie sent a message and he said, thank you for the shout out. And I'm definitely glad that I won't have to have you detained <laughs> the next time you try and enter America. Wow. Well, if Bagpuss had taken a, a different turn, then you could have got Eddie to help you out, it sounds like. <laughs> Can you imagine? On Instagram, Eddie, I know we only met once. I'm having a problem with Bagpuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what the law is around this, but... Uh... <laughs> he finished it with, as an officer of US Customs and Border Protection, it was my pleasure providing you with a memorable experience. <laughs> oh, Eddie. Oh, that's great. I wonder if he'll listen again, though, because he listened, right, to the last episode? Yeah. Is that what he said? Uh, yeah, I wonder if he's now a listener for life or that was it. On to the, on to the next next person through immigration. He may listen to that. Well, we can, Eddie, you, you listened last week and you got in touch. We can ask again. Naomi wants to know, are, are, you, are you a listener or, or does it end? Now my trip has ended and I'm out of the country. <laughs> Is it over? I think it's over. But then I wake up this morning after a bit of sleep, children calling all over me. I think I'll just, I'll just check my phone. I'll just check what's happened overnight. I can't imagine anything dramatic will happen overnight. Oh, look, Serena comes to a very comfortable. That's not dramatic. And then I thought the green tick next to the winner of the Federer Dimitrov match was wrong. <laughs> I had to look because it was five sets and I was kind of a bit blurry waking up. Roger Federer lost. He lost to Gregor Dimitrov, who has an absolute shocker of a year, who down into the late 70s in the rankings, who lost to a player who was around 401 a matter of weeks ago. And here he is beating Roger Federer on Arthrash in five sets. I know. What a surprise. Did you think that was going to happen? Did you think he was even going to push him close? No. Yeah, no, I, I just... Didn't I mean he'd been playing really well, Dimitrov, and it, when he plays well, we know how good he can be. But I just wasn't expecting that when it went to a fifth set because I think Dimitrov won the fourth and it went to the fifth. Then I thought, okay, maybe because Federer is not very good in five sets; he just doesn't have a great record in general. So I thought, yeah, he's got a chance. But up until that point, I just didn't think there was a chance at all. But yeah, amazing. Federer is gone, so only one of the big three left. On the men's side. See, I hadn't seen any of the match. It was literally just looking at the score, seeing the tick beside us and then beside it, then trying to go through social media and, and just find out what went on. Because we've got to remember that there is no Radic Stepanek here with Dimitrov. There is no Agassi who's been a, a consultant. And Danny Valverde has been around, his former coach, and, and still very good friend because he has been working with Stan Vavrinka. But he didn't come with a team. And I think all the results he's had... We know it's there. We know the talent is there. He's a Masters winner. He won the Tour Finals. So it is there. But And, and Roger Federer, I thought it was great, Roger Federer. He, he mentioned his back and he said his back had been causing him problems, but he was hoping if he got through this match, he'd have a couple of days. And it would be, it's the kind of problem that for today and tomorrow, it bothers you. Then the next day, it's absolutely fine. But he said, I don't want to talk about this is not about my body. This is about Dimitrov winning, which I thought was was really nice that there was obviously clearly a hindrance there for Federer, but he didn't want that to be the focus, despite mentioning it and saying, look, it was a slight issue. And it was about the guy who beat him beating him. Oh, man. I, Federer, he's such a good loser as well, isn't he? Just can't do anything <laughs> wrong. Oh, he's just, he, he is, isn't he? He's just so slick at all of it. He knows what to say. I mean, he's so experienced now that I, I think he genuinely means it as well. I think he really does think that, that it's Dimitrov's moment. It's a really big deal for him and everybody's seen, I mean, you said he's had a rough year. It's, it's been absolutely horrendous. Or you said it was a shocker, didn't you? Yeah, it's just been absolutely horrendous. I mean, he's down at 80 and it's not really like he's had any sort of major injury. 
it's just been quite extraordinary. He's had difficulties. He's had niggles here and there and, and changing coaches and situations. But on the whole, he really has just fallen and then kept falling. We thought when he was kind of fell to 20, 25, that was where he was going to stop. And then he kept falling to outside 50. And then suddenly we were thinking he might be in qualifying of slams at some point soon. But nope, not anymore. He sorted it out right of the ship and good news for him is it's not like he has any other points to defend <laughs> in, in the whole year apart from now at US Open so he's done it quite well he's going to have a nice relaxed year and maybe that's what helped him not having his team there probably just took a little bit of the pressure off and he could just kind of go and play um, yeah I don't know I, I don't know what what the answer was for him but it's nice to have him back playing great because he's such a great player to watch I think it's the interesting thing about tennis I mean live rankings he's up to 25 now and we'll go into the top I think 15 or 16 if it would have come through the semi-finals but we talk so much about confidence and Sasha Zverev at the moment the double faults are continuing the, the second serve, mm. uh, the second serve against Diego Schwartzman. When it came to a second serve, you almost, and when, when you're commentating, it's not ideal, but you put your, your hand over your eyes because more often than... <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> is that why your commentary was so bad? Because <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, Gigi seems way behind her commentary. I can hear the sound effects. Doesn't sound right. You are it such sound a friend. On. You're such Don't a friend. Don't put your hand in front of your eyes. But it was, Come it on. was a handful of them didn't even make it to the net on his second set. We're talking yeah. in the 60s miles per hour. Mm. Or they were missing by a way or... And, and you could feel... And if, if we're all sitting there expecting it, knowing it's coming, what's it like for him to go through it? And he said recently, it's, it's nothing to do with um, the mental side of things. I'm just not feeling it. Um, and when I start to feel the ball, then everything's going to be all right. But it it's... I find it... We had... Again, I go back to the conversation we had Jack Sock and I said, oh, I'm sure doubles will help. And he said, look, it's a completely different beast onto the singles court. And yes, he's had a, a thumb injury for a large part of the year. But when does it suddenly click? Is it just during that match with Federer, things are working and he suddenly remembers that he can do this and the confidence comes back? Is it getting through that match that will now make the difference for the rest of the season? And what needs to happen to Sasha Zverev, who is clearly, clearly still stuck in a place, when he's not playing the tennis that he knows he can. Well, for Dimitrov, I wasn't surprised that he did well at the US Open because he, his performances have improved so much this year. He's actually been playing really good tennis, but it's been those tight moments. And that's what tends to happen when players are coming back from having this big dip. We saw that with Jo Conta because she dropped all the way down to about 50 from being in the top five. And... Uh, and hers was the same. She, she started off playing just a poor level and just being in and out, looked totally lost, then started to get things to, and that was quite a while, but then really, you know, back end of last year, started to get things together and actually was playing really well, but just losing a lot of tight matches, you know, at four or 30, all that's when the level would drop. And so she'd be losing some more straightforward matches, say kind of four and three, but it was actually only a couple of close points here and there, which made the difference. Um, and then once she figured out and got the confidence to play well on those big moments. Then she starts getting the results, then string them together and then bang, you know, she's back doing great stuff. And I know we'll, we'll have a chat about Conta as well. There's so much to catch up on. This is, I just, there's so many things going on, but I think the same thing for Dimitrov. I felt a lot through this year. Look, he had some horrible matches as well, but a lot of matches that I was watching, I thought were of a good level. 
I was thinking this is kind of top 20, top 30 standard. And okay, the guy's been right up at the top of the game, but it, it, you know that's that was good for him because he hadn't been able to produce that level for probably at least a year. So, you know, you could see that, but yeah, the amount of times he was getting either terrible draws or losing very closely and then occasionally would have a horrible match and lose comfortably to somebody not as highly ranked. Um, you know, all of that put together, he wasn't really getting the results. So, yeah, not surprised that he has started to win. Um, definitely surprised he beat Federer because that is a you know really high level. But yeah, as you say, it, I don't think it comes together overnight. All of these players, as I say, Conta, Dimitrov, hopefully what Zverev will do when he gets his stuff back on track. Um, it does take a really long time. But once you get past the hurdle of doing the right stuff in the big moments, that is when you then you're off and there's no kind of looking back that you can kind of just get the wins back to back and keep rolling. Have you noticed my mug? Oh, it's a great mug. <laughs> what have you got in it? Tea. What have, I, what have I got? Were you actually trying to see what was in my mug yeah, by leaning forward? <laughs> that was never going to work. <laughs> never going to work. It's on a screen. But I just look very. I just got. I just got a close up of your nose. Oh, <laughs> just it was weird. Um, I've got a, a, just a fruit tea, trying to sort of wake myself up. So, have you got your mug? Have you found your mug? No, no. But I'm sure my neighbour is very much enjoying it. I don't know where it went though. It could have gone to any house in this street. But did it not say? what house it was left at no it didn't just say your mug is on your street no I mean it probably did but I've lost the piece of paper that has the number on it and I just you know it's been a while now it's been a good few months so I would have thought somebody could have dropped it round by now I have knocked on a lot of doors but hey it'll it'll appear at some point but it, until then I'll just be jealous of yours yeah you're not borrowing it and I haven't broken it yet so there's there's two great things um another thing about Dimitrov before he beat Federer was his washing habits ah yes because he'd um he'd been on US Open now which they're sort of seven eight hours a day up good friend Nick McCarville is part of it and they, they don't have the tennis rights but they do lots of interviews and features and bits and pieces but he came on he was talking about when he was in Brooklyn going to the laundrette and, and the shock and awe <laughs> of this human being a human being saying I'm going to the laundrette was was almost as if the Queen had said I'm just going to go to the drive through at McDonald's for a quarter pound of a cheese I mean that the shock was, was palpable he's such a nice guy but he's a normal guy though isn't he he's just he is just, uh, he, I, I, I don't know, my impression of him has always been that he seems just like a really nice chap. He's had some abnormal girlfriends. I mean that in the nicest way. <laughs> <laughs> what is an abnormal can I, girlfriend? Can I qualify that? In the sense he's had famous girlfriends. So I'm not saying they don't go to the laundrette, but Maria Sharapova uh, was a girlfriend right. for a while. And we believe okay. there was... A sort of a little thing maybe with Serena Williams and Nicole Scherzinger of the Pussycat Dolls I, I wouldn't expect to see her in a laundrette no no tr yeah true so you're thinking very A-list and maybe he's that sort of person yeah but I agree he's he's one of the nicest he's one of the nicest people I remember interviewing him when I was heavily pregnant with with the twins and he said you know are you okay would you like to sit down I thought that you know it's very nice um and he's always very polite uh, and gives you some time and and that was the feeling coming through on social media so happy for him one of the nicest guys gives you even when things weren't going well he was still prepared to do the interview and to chat and to say hi and he he remained 
very much so. But yes, his his um, his laundrette habits have been big. The other thing that has is, has been enormous is Daniel Medvedev, who and, the, and what people keep writing in messages is Daniel Medvedev two. U.S. Open New York crowd, nil, because he's been embracing what can be a very hostile crowd and seemingly now turning in his favour. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm not saying I love everything that Medvedev has done, but I love the premise of him being the villain. Having a villain is great. We were talking about this a few pods ago, weren't we? I was saying how everyone's too nice. It's too boring. You know, have a bit of spark and a bit of bite to it now. And Medvedev, yeah, just soaking it up. It's quite funny, actually, because when he first came on the scene, he was a little bit unruly I suppose is, is the word he was young and I think behaved in a way that he wasn't particularly happy with but we saw that the red mist can descend with Medvedev and we, we saw some reactions from him uh, and then he really really tried to mature and we thought that he had matured and that he was like I'm this new player now I just play tennis and I get on with it and I'm a really nice guy and I'm pretty unassuming and it's all fine and uh, um, turns out that the beast was still <laughs> still just asleep inside just a little bit dormant and it's now a bit unleashed uh, into the world at this US Open and uh, yeah it's been great I mean the the New York crowd are always pretty lively aren't they so he's been feeding off it and I think he's dealt with it brilliantly really I think he has as I say I don't think that all of his behaviour has been as I would like to do it <laughs> but uh, yeah he um, I, I, I like the fact that he just embraced it rather than sulking about it and thinking kind of oh why don't they like me why aren't they cheering for me just being like yeah Whatever. I think, I, like you, I don't agree with everything he did. But firstly, if that's in him, it's always going to be in him. Yes, he can say, that's not the right way to go about my business. I can't act like that. But it's part of him. So it's is it a massive surprise that it resurfaces? Not really. And especially because he must be one of the... He's just exhausted. I mean, that fellow is being held together by tape. He's won an incredible amount of matches. <laughs> he, he even said through his Cincinnati run to the title... Oh, you know, I was really stiff when I got out of bed today. I was really tired. I didn't think I was going to be able to hit the ball. And that sort of went on <laughs> through the tournament. So it's, it, I imagine that's it's part. And before this tournament, he'd never been to a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. So there was suddenly the pressure of winning Cincinnati, having this amazing record. Everyone going, oh, yes, outside of the big three, definitely the favourite to win the US Open. And at the time, he was like... I've not been to a quarterfinal of a of a Grand Slam before, but he's he's um he's he's a really nice guy. I've, I've spoken to him a few times. I did some sort of corporate Q and A's with him this year, and he's always very funny. He's really, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, he's willing to have a laugh, and and he's been quite active on social media, replying to people, and then with the crowd sort of saying, you know, you help me. It's because of you. When you go to sleep at night, <laughs> it's it's just. And I also think we've talked about this before. You need that streak to be at the very, very top. Roger Federer, when he was young, he was a racket smasher, sort of, sort of a hell raiser, and he, he wasn't sort of, sort of quiet and polite and sweet the whole time. Novak Djokovic, we've we've talked about there is, there is a streak aside in there, and we that came out again with these shoulder problems at the U.S. Open. And on the flip side, Marin Cilic, who is a Grand Slam winner, 2014 U.S. Open, being told he's too nice to win. Um, on a regular basis, the very biggest of titles. Medvedev's got that streak. And if he can harness it for 90, 99% of the time, I think it's going to stand him in very good stead. 
Yeah, I I do think that he is possibly better off playing a little bit of the villain like he has been. You know, there are yeah certain things that he shouldn't do. I don't really like being involved or negative or behaving negatively towards the ball kids and that sort of thing. But in terms of riling the crowd up, so what? It's great. It's a bit of pantomime and it's it's sport ultimately, isn't it? And he's out there busting himself, giving everything that he's got. And um, as I say, I, I like it. There's, there's room for a character like his right up at the top of the game just to really shake things up. And you think about a, a Kyrgios, as we've talked to, to before, which is definitely more extreme than Medvedev is. But it would be great to have a character like that at the top of the game, not necessarily all of his behaviour, but that sort of character I think would really disrupt and add a new dynamic because they are, they, they all just come across so nice. They're all very respectful of each other all the time and it doesn't matter how they played, but after the match it was, well, Rafa played brilliantly. Well, he didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> he could. He was on one leg and he didn't really play very well. And then Rafa says, well, you know, Roger is the greatest of all time and that's it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I get it and I get why they're all like that but I, I think that adding in a different sort of character to go wait hang on a minute no this is how I do things will be good and refreshing and I think that we need something new look we're never going to get players to replace Federer Nadal and Djokovic we're not going to get players that are just going to fill in those gaps and be those sorts of pers- people be those players the role models everything that they stand for everything that they've brought to the game the amount of slams they've won the domination the rivalries like we can't just pick somebody up and say, oh, Federer's going to retire. Can we just pop somebody in that slot? It's not going to happen. Um, so we need players to create their own path, their own little situation up at the top of the game. Uh, and you've got to imagine that of the three, Federer will retire first, being significantly older. Um, but there will be spaces available. There will be slams available. And, um, you know, I'd be, I for one would be pleased if Medvedev was uh, taking up one of those spots. He's already going to be number four in the world. Right? Is that right? Yeah, four in the world. And he's qualified. Yeah, and he's qualified. And with this podcast, we, we and it's difficult around these kind of tournaments because we don't. That's why we don't really preview stuff because it's out of date really quickly. But as things stand, recording on the is it? It's Wednesday on the Wednesday. Um, four in the world, first Grand Slam semi final, and he's qualified for the tour finals. So he is the fourth person to so got Nadal, Djokovic, Federer and now Medvedev are the four so far to qualify for London. I tell you what, he could be dangerous in London. I think he would uh, very much enjoy that sort of atmosphere. It's totally different to a lot of the other tournaments. Uh, the way it is put on, I think it's quite electric and I think he'd really thrive off that. But yeah, no, I'm pleased he's at the top of the game. Look, I'd love to see Zverev playing really well again as well, but I think we're probably a good probably going to wait till next season for that uh, I anticipate 2020 he still might qualify for London I wouldn't be surprised if he did but um, I'm not expecting him to right now uh, but I think 2020 he'll start getting things back on track and you know like we saw with Dimitrov and Conta it just takes a, a little while so yeah I uh, yeah I like I like the mix. I like the young guys coming up at the moment. Even though Zverev thinks that they should all be nice and be respectful and stop with the nonsense and the antics and stuff. But, you know, it's good. Have a bit of variation. There's a funny moment with Diego Schwartzman um, when he came through against Sasha Zverev. So he will now face, will have now faced, <laughs> depending when you're listening, Nadal. 
And at the end of the interview, uh, at the end of the match, they had on the interview, they said, oh, you know, do you know who you're facing next? <laughs> and he's like, oh, Matteo Berrettini. <laughs> and everyone's like, sorry. And they said, Matteo Berrettini said, no, no. But then the Nadal-Chilich match hadn't happened. They said, no, you're facing Nadal. And I'm thinking, this is so confusing. A, because he said Berrettini. Secondly, because Nadal hasn't even beaten Chilich yet. And he said, well, every time I sat down at my chair, they were showing highlights from the from the Berrettini Rublev match. He said, so I just assumed, he just said, I just assumed it was Berrettini next. And then the interviewer continued saying, No, you've trained at his academy, you've got Nadal. And I'm thinking, what about more Marin Chilich? Yes, would I have put even a pound on Chilich beating Nadal? No. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point was at that moment, Chilich was still in the tournament. So they have this lovely two-minute discussion about playing Nadal, what it would be like to be near Nadal, all these wonderful things about Nadal. No thinking. I hope Marin Chilich didn't hear that because he's out there and there's no, you're already out. So Diego Schwartzman's facing and, and look, we knew that result was coming, but it was just quite funny. He was so convinced. He was facing Matteo Berrettini, and then the poor, the poor fella got hit with the, the truth and the reality that he's actually. And I say, by the time people listen to this, Jager Schwartzman might beat Nadal in straight sets, but it was the the reality that he's got a very very tough test up next. How can you not know that you're playing Nadal? It's just amazing, isn't it? But it shows how players just get so focused on what they're doing and as for Marin I do think the point is that you wouldn't put a pound on him because (laughs) you just don't think that he would win Um, and yeah I mean it is a little bit disrespectful because of the player that he has been but he isn't currently that player in terms of his ranking and his level Um, and even when he was that player when he was at his best he wasn't that much of a threat to the big guys they kind of seem to have his number quite well yes he's won this tournament before and he's achieved a huge amount but uh yeah ah uh, I don't know I still even if it was Marin absolutely at his best I don't know how much of a chance you'd be giving him right now but or, or would have given him before playing Nadal but uh it's very easy to do, isn't it, to just say that Nadal will be through. But we thought Djokovic would be through and Federer through, but both of them picked up injuries. You never know. Nadal might pick up an in- injury against Diego and then he could be happy he was playing Nadal rather than Schwartzman. Oh, no, <laughs> rather, rather than Berrettini. <laughs> and Stan Favrenka had flu. Came yep. out afterwards and said he'd been in bed all day and in bed the day after. And uh, you just you just don't know what's going to hit you. At. Now, I'm, I'm in some ways because of what I've been saying away from the pod, reluctant to talk about Coco Goff, mm. but maybe we should. We do, but Because I spend a lot of time saying she's got to be 15 and just let her be 15 and there's so much hype and there's so much craziness. And then I'm, and then I'm talking about her. Uh, but it's more, it, it's more Marion Bartley was talking about the, the entourage around this 15-year-old. And it's something I noticed uh, when I was watching her play and I looked across and there were row upon row upon row upon row of people. And her mum and dad are there. They're very heavily involved in her career. But there were agents and sponsors and a whole raft of coaches. And it seemed half of uh, Team Moritoglu, Patrick Moritoglu's um, academy seemed to be there. And I mean, I don't know about look, you work with young players. So you have parents, I imagine, hovering around. But it just it just feels extreme. And talking about pressure just to have row upon row upon row upon row of all these people. It's just, she's 15, surely. We just need to, 
I, I think it's almost a good thing now that her journey has ended in singles and doubles here. So she can sort of disappear from the main radar and just sort of crack on for a little bit without too much of a spotlight on her. She is 15. She has these sponsorship deals. She's part of Roger Federer's agency, etc., etc., etc. There's now a hashtag, call me Coco. So people use Coco rather than Corey. Is it... Do we have to be careful? Should we stop talking about her for a bit? Is she the best player you've ever seen at this age level? I mean, where is it on this level of, of of the reality of it all? I think the reality is that she's very, very good. She's the best 15-year-old in the world. She is probably the best under-18 player in the world. And that's where she's at. You know, is she playing top 10 level? No. You know, 20? No. Um, not even seeded in slams. A little bit lower. She's had incredibly favourable draws for a wild card. Like, I mean, it's it's not why she's won. It's not to say that she couldn't have won in more difficult draws, but it's just that you can only play the person that's in front of you, but both at Wimbledon and at the US Open, great opportunities. There is so much work to do before she gets to be a player that challenges for a slam. It's not going to be an easy road. I just I just don't think that it is. I mean, okay, even if you take Andrescu, who just seems to have forgotten how to lose, it's just unbelievable watching her right now. But she was world number one junior. She broke through really on the WTA tour earlier this year, but it's not been plain sailing for her. She's had injuries to deal with. That's been her big thing, understanding her body. She's been incredibly frustrated. She's talked about how she's had such a hard year, even though she's achieved so many things. Like There are, there are so many things to navigate, so many things to deal with. And I get your whole kind of, yeah, let, let her be 15, but you can't be a normal 15-year-old. Um, in this situation you just can't I mean even if you're nowhere near as good as her even if you are just a top national junior so say you're a top British junior who's just gone to Loughborough to my brother's National Academy to work there even there you can't be a normal 15 year old it's just not possible Um, and if you want to be a normal 15 year old then being a professional tennis player is not for you you can have moments you can have times where you can slip into that but on the whole it's just it's not really possible and then it also becomes really difficult because how is she going to relate to normal 15 year olds she's got million dollar deals coming out of her ears she's supposed to be the next serena williams or the next big thing and uh, and top 10 and has this entourage and she's going to be incredibly mature for her age we've already seen that in bucket loads haven't we she's so mature for her age she's way more mature than the majority of 15 year olds it becomes really difficult you also just don't see them <laughs> you just barely ever see them so you, you see them once or twice a year it's tough to kind of slip back into normality isn't it so it's not easy she's got a lot to navigate but i think she will We, you said earlier we're going to talk about her. She, there's a couple of things going on with Johanna Conta. It was sort of buddying up with some A-list friends, which is on one side of things. And secondly, she has now reached at least the quarterfinal of every single Grand Slam. And this is someone else who a while back was, was going through a tricky time, going from a top 10 player down into the 50s, having to kind of fight her way back up again. And... This has been a really good US Open. So good from Conta. So great to watch her. She had an amazing win against Pliskova um, and had a good match against Vitalina that she lost. I tell you what, there's a lot of things that I 
kind of expect or don't expect from various players did not expect Conta to be the sort of person rubbing shoulders with the A-list celebs and getting them in her box you know as Serena does there's always someone around isn't there or Fed and Nadal and that sort of thing but um, yeah for Conta see I see you Nadal with your Tiger Woods in your box check this out I got Tom Hiddleston um, it's just it's just quite quite funny I think I don't know it just, she bumped into yeah and I, she just I get it she bumped into bumped him into and him. he's a fan and he likes tennis and he wanted to come and I get it I'm not in any way kind of criticizing it but it's just it's not really her is it that's not really her thing or her scene she's very much to herself but uh, I quite like that that she kind of allowed herself to enjoy that for a bit because she's somebody who's so in control of everything can you imagine like I mean I know Joe. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly close with her, but I couldn't imagine even asking or or thinking, can I come and sit in your box for your match? Because <laughs> everything is so controlled and there are always spare seats and it's on the whole, it is her coach and her boyfriend and her fitness trainer. That's the general party. And she doesn't, she's not Coco Golf, is she, with her <laughs> extravagant entourage. And I don't think she likes random people in there, but Tom... He made the cut. It's Tom Hiddleston. It's whether you're a uh, a Loki fan or a night manager fan or a whatever else he's been in fan. This is Tom Hiddleston. I remember the um, Pliskova match. He was wearing it. He must have been boiling. I mean, he looked like he was sweating. He had sort of a suit on and it was all right. But he wasn't clapping at first. Like he just had the being quite sort of A-list actory. Um, and then by the end, he was kind of fist pumping and jumping. And now she's... She's going to Broadway to see the production he's starring in as a kind of, you know, but I mean, it's, but we've got at the moment, is, is it Carolina Mukova, Rebel Wilson? Yes. The Australian actress. They're, they're, she was in Mukova's box. Yeah. When she was on the other stadium because they've become good friends and they were sort of tweeting each other. And as you mentioned, Tiger Woods there the other day and Rafa Nadal's like, you're my sporting hero and all this stuff. It's, it's been quite... I know what you mean about Johanna Conta. And from people I've spoken to about her there, you have to let Conta be Conta. And she does her own things and she's quite set in what she does and, and how she does. So it was quite weird. Yeah, it's, uh, as I say, just very um, not Joe. But I like that. I like her you know, doing something different. But look, hey, I didn't think drop shots were very Joe and they're the new thing. This is a new Conta thing, isn't it, this year, the drop, <laughs> drop shots. So uh, people can change, people can adapt, but I'm just commenting that uh, I think it's a nice change. Have you had any famous people in your box or maybe famous people who've wanted to get in your box? I had a list as long <laughs> as my arms. I could not, I don't even know how Coco's getting as many people in as she can because the hardest thing when I played at Wimbledon and I was 17... So, okay, I wasn't a 15-year-old superstar, uh, but at 17, you're just not allowed that many people in. But did you have any famous people in your box? Oh, no. No, I don't think so. At any at any match ever, have you had, even if they're a very minor celebrity, have you had anyone where you could say, oh, X was in my box? No. So if, if I'm talking, it can be really low level. <laughs> you can give me any name that's low level. <laughs> well, no, not in my actual box. I mean, I played on centre court, so I had the royal box. 
that was no you can't claim what? those why not you, they didn't know you were playing well, yeah you, they, they didn't did. know they you were playing they, they came in they had no idea well, who Venus they, Williams was <laughs> they saw Naomi Cavaday and they were clapping for me <laughs> so shush they may have got an invite sometime in advance saying would you be a guest on Wednesday the whatever of whatever that that could have been what happened <laughs> I don't even remember who was in the box <laughs> but, actually I don't think I ever paid attention to it do you have if you were playing tennis you know they say if you had a dinner party who you know who would you have in a dinner party sort of dead or alive I always think it's a bit weird saying dead because it, it's still a bit weird uh, who, if you could have one person in your box or you could have had one person in your box who, who would it be famous oh person oh my word um anyone what does it have to be from the world of tennis no no just any just just anyone who would you have Tom Hiddleston is not from the world of tennis Okay, um, fine. No, I, I, as I was asking that question, I thought I haven't got a clue. Uh, just, but I thought maybe that as I don't know, you, there was someone that was in someone else's box. You thought of someone you'd have. Oh right. Well, I enjoy all of the um, the other athletes. So across the sports, like a David Beckham. I mean, who would turn that down? We could have David Beckham. No, David Beckham. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of the the athletes that have played to a high level because I think they can really appreciate they kind of watch it and really appreciate what you're doing. And I think we do have a lot of um, fans from other sports in terms of the other athletes in, in tennis. I think that would be the main thing. I don't know about other celebrities. I thought you were going to go for a gratuitous A-list kind of, I'd have this person. But that was quite sensible. I'd have other athletes that appreciate what I do. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I don't know, nothing. It's good. I just sort of gave you anyone in the world and I thought we might get... I mean, let it, if anyone is... If anyone's listening, if anyone would like to get in touch... Um, let us know if there's someone you'd like watching you. Well, that sounds a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, something really can... creepy. It would be different though. It would be a different answer for like dead or alive at dinner because at dinner you can have a conversation and I would be asking them a lot of questions. Whereas to put somebody in your box, they're just watching you do your thing, right? So you're obviously trying to impress them. So I'd want somebody who would have some sort of understanding. But you'd meet them afterwards, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, but I think it's a different question. Like if I was going to dinner with somebody, then I would, I'd pick somebody different, I think. Next week, I'm going to have your dinner party, people. Uh, and, and people um, saying they could get in touch if they've got someone they'd like to watch them play tennis again, to watch them is weird. Um, they can tweet us, but also the website that is up and running. Yes, you can email us there. If you don't have social media, you can email us through the website. So, got all bases covered. If you don't have a computer, then I don't know how on earth you found us. Because <laughs> we're a podcast. <laughs> if you don't have a computer or a smartphone, like I, I'm running out of options. There's no other way you can contact us. We're not giving out home addresses for mail. It's just not happening. <laughs> um, uh, Robert, we need to say thank you to Robert because he was our first emailer just getting in touch ah. with the website saying hi and he, I think he found us about the Australian Open at the start of the year found the podcast and is still with us and Tatiana say hello to Tatiana who got in touch with the website she's about a year ago she started playing tennis again great and she's really enjoying it really loving it um, and she had a question here just okay, doubles prize money she was wondering why is it so much less than singles especially as you then have to split it so the amount that wasn't as much is then halved. Is it just singles draws, more people, more sponsorship in? Or is there another reason why there is a big difference between the prize money? Oof. I mean, it's a tough question, to be honest. It's probably, it'll probably just be my speculation. I don't think there is an official reason. Isn't that largely what it is from you? <laughs> Loose facts. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just what I think, really. <laughs> uh, I think we should start deleting all of the old episodes, by the way. 
so that the record is is gone. Just leave so a people few. People don't know that you lost half your tongue on an ice cream tub. Well, just, and yeah, I don't. Know. I nearly got stopped from going into America. Yeah, we have got to get rid of that one before you go out again. Well, I'm not not taking bagpuss. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? <laughs> What was the question? Uh, doubles and why uh, do they not make money. much money? Yeah, look, all I can say is that I suppose singles is the main event and and doubles is almost like the undercard if you were looking at it from boxing and I know that doubles players are going to find that very derogatory and that sort of thing. I'm not saying this is what I think. This is just what it seems. The doubles money is increasing all the time. They can make a really good living now. Uh, you don't have to be the Bryan brothers winning everything to make lots of money. You can make a really good living. You can have coaches. You can have trainers, physios. I know doubles players travel with with physios now. I, I've never really liked doubles, so <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to lie. I've never really been a fan of doubles. I don't particularly like playing it. So there's a place in Manhattan that sells cookies until three o'clock in the morning. Oh, three. It's called Insomnia Cookie. It's open until three nice. a.m. Did you go? Yeah, but I only found out only bumped into a friend who was heading there with his wife and it was my penultimate night so the next night the poor producer wanted an early night it ended up being quite a long night in terms of the matches because you had Nadal and that's always going to take quite a while uh, then you had Taylor Townsend fighting back against Bianca Andreescu and uh, so we didn't get there probably till about two o'clock and it was amazing just fresh hot fresh cookies at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, sounds so good. Only New York, right? That's just what they do. It's amazing, but it's probably if I'd found that on the first night, it would have, it would have just led to all sorts of problems. So I'm going there every night. But it was that was amazing. Well, I'm actually going to be quite busy this weekend. I'm not going to be able to watch much. Well, I will actually in the morning. I can I can catch up, watch some highlights. But I've got national club league finals. So have you? If you fancy commentating on my finals. <laughs> Rather than the US Opens. It'll be way more interesting, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, we're going out to Bournemouth, play for my club, club, Cumberland Club. So a lot of the girls that you met at the wedding, all on the same team. And uh, yeah, we're going to go down there and try our best to win the title. But it means I have to play singles and doubles every day for three days back to back. And I'm going to be very stiff. Do you have a doubles partner or does it change? And do you pick your doubles partner or not? How, how does... Do you say you're not good enough? You're good enough. I need you. I don't need you. I mean, are you quite? Are you, you are quite ruthless. I've seen your competitive streak. Is yes. Yeah. So, what's the selection process for your doubles partner? Well, I'm not the captain, so our captain is in charge. But with our four singles, to be honest, there's quite an obvious split. The, it, the two pairings just make complete sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense and then I will step in and say what I think, which is not necessarily what I think. It's more what I want. <laughs> but I say, I think that this is how it should go <laughs> when it's more, I want to play with this player. Are you confident of being selected for both singles and doubles? <laughs> <laughs> I am. And uh, yeah, and, and each year I'm disappointed to find out that I, I will be playing number one. So next time we speak, we'll find out if, if you're champions. Yes, and we'll find out how first day at school went because my job now, and I finished speaking to you, so I'm, I, as always, I have to go soon because I have stuff to get ready. Children haven't had a growth spurt. And then it's kind of, let's let's do this. Let's get everything together. Ready to go. School, photo on the doorstep, school tomorrow. Let's see what happens. Do you feel good about it? Excited? Excited. Yeah, excited. Um, trying to get through the madness of tomorrow, getting 
getting them both ready and, and sorted out. And everyone tells you I'm going to cry. Are you a crier? Um, no, I, I don't think I will. But a lot of mothers on this WhatsApp group I'm on, they're all right. They've been crying for about a week now. So it's starting to make me think that maybe it's going to happen. So but I think it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Ready to do this. I think one might cry, one won't. So I think I've got a split. Okay. Well, one can look after the other. Then. Well, that's, that's my thinking that after a while, one will brother will take his brother's hand and say, right, let's, let's do this. So um, I think it's going to be fine. I, I'll report back. That's when you'll cry. When one takes the other and says, okay, we can do this. And then off they go, that's when you'll cry. And we'll report. So next week, I want to see a trophy or a medal or something being waved at me. Yeah, okay, can do. And we, we, of course, we can talk tennis. Not that you're not playing tennis this weekend, but and it's not proper tennis, but we'll talk US Open end of. Will you enjoy your finals? I'll enjoy mine. I will. Now, can you just go out and find your mug as well? Because I think you need, need to get the, I need to get this mug in. You can't be just not losing your mug. So go and find your mug. 